Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, and welcome to The Definitive Rap. I am Bela Sebrow. Thank you to Vin News for hosting our show. The Definitive Rap values professional people and organizations that promote justice for all. We have a very special guest today on this very topic. Sarah Shulovitz Vorhand is a New York, Florida, and Michigan attorney and is licensed in various federal jurisdictions, including the United States Supreme Court. Sarah is a former prosecutor and has been practicing for 20 years, specializing in criminal defense. She has offices in Manhattan, downtown Miami, and, uh, and everywhere else that people need to get a hold of her. Uh, Sarah has been awarded various national awards and listed as top attorney. She handled successfully many high-profile media cases and has been featured in international and national media. Sarah hosted a cable TV show, Legal Fashionista. She attended Base Yaakov, graduated from Florida International University in 1999. She attended University of Miami School of Law and Fordham School of Law, graduated law school in 2002. She has received Young Leadership Awards from High Lifeline and Amuna Women, South Florida. She has served as Vice Chair, Grievance Committee for the Florida Bar. Sarah is a Manhattan Rebbitzin of the famous Rabbi Vorhan Stiebel, Heichal Moshe, located on the Upper East Side of, up, sorry, Upper West Side of Manhattan. Sarah, welcome to the Definitive Rap. Sheila, thank you so much for having me. You, you're amazing. And you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. Oh, but you, you are time. the one that's an unusual, unusually special lady doing so much for society, both in the legal and Jewish, Jewish sectors. There's a verse in the Torah that states, Tzedek, 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 Justice, justice shall you pursue. You epitomize what every religious woman should aspire to become. So let's start with criminal issues. Um, crime has gone up. Victims yeah. are killed or maimed and perpetrators go free the next day. Sarah, as a former prosecutor, what do you think about that? And can you give us any guidance? So it's a horrible situation because you know I was a prosecutor in Florida and I practiced in both New York and Florida. And, um, you know, New York has become very... Um, liberal on violent well there are certain crimes that they're strict on like gun charges um you know certain things they are strict on but there's so many anti especially like anti-semitic incidents where the person is out immediately there's no bail in new york and i'm hearing that there's going to be some reform as to that but um it's a scary thing people are attacked on the subway every day orthodox jews and you know, there was an Asian woman also pushed into a subway. A lot of the perpetrators are mentally ill. And the, um, you know, during the COVID time, the, you know, City Hall before, um, you know, with, under de Blasio, they dropped off a lot of mentally ill people into the city that needed treatment and they weren't getting it. And there were, um, there was a lot of crime on the streets. 
And it's a very where were they dropped off from? Where did where did they come from? Different states, also from different states. And it's a sad situation. People do need help. And you know, mental illness is something like a physical illness, it needs treatment. And these people are not getting the treatment that are needed. Um, money was given to um, you know, under de Blasio's administration to help these people, and nothing was done. And instead, um, you know, my New York law partner, Mindy, we had a high profile case where, um, you know, de Blasio went full force against, you know, an Orthodox Jewish man. And, you know, when there's so much crime, there's looting, there was so much violence in the streets of New York. So, um, and we got his case in the end dismissed. Um, and it, it was ACD. And, you know, but it's just, there's a lot going on in New York. And, People are afraid. People are afraid and there needs to be, you know, it's important to have, you know, on the other hand, I defend people's constitutional rights every day. And that's very important because, you know, we don't want people arrested. As a, as a former prosecutor, when I was a prosecutor, I worked at a wonderful office in Miami under Catherine fernandez Rundle, and she made us promise that we would never, you know, file charges or use our power as a prosecutor to prosecute the innocent or someone that we didn't have a good faith belief in was really guilty. And, you know, so as a prosecutor, we were trained to be very fair. And and that's important. And there has to be fairness on both sides. But, you know, you can't just be, you know, you know, there has to be balance and people need treatment and the courts need to be involved. Otherwise, it's very scary. People are afraid to go in the subway. I know people that are afraid to go in the train in New York. Right. It's right. very scary. So what sort of crimes are you seeing more of? Would you say subway crimes or do you, are you seeing subway, more even, of other crimes too? Even petty crimes. You could be in a simple drugstore in Manhattan. You see that the soap is locked up. The shampoo is locked up. Yes, I do see that. Yes. A Tylenol. It, yes. It's my boggling. I was in the supermarket, in the pharmacy. I was in the pharmacy and a man came in with garbage bag and he emptied out everything and he ran away. And they said that they're not even going to bother to call the police because the police take hours to come. The guy won't even be held anyway. So there is right. petty theft. Um, but it wasn't petty because he took a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it rises to a higher level because it depends, um, you know, based on the amount that's stolen. But it's very, it's very scary. It's very, very scary. And, yeah. So when has this started that they get let out very quickly? Because here's, here's my, here's my dilemma that I'm, that I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around. Um, if we're saying that that uh, crime has risen because there are more mentally ill people that have been brought into New York. Um, so what about the other crimes, the other crimes that we have seen before? Is there there there, there has there has to be more? I mean, in my opinion, I don't know. I'm clearly I'm not in the legal field, but um there has to be something else going on in the legal system that we're seeing so much crime. It can't just be the 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 mentally ill. There has to be right. more because I'm, I'm reading so yeah. many cases about murder and and there's um, so there's so much recidivism because there's no deterrent. There's no deterrent if you know you're going to be out the next day without even having to post bail. Ah, that's it. There's no deterrent. Right. And right. Crime, no consequences for your no actions. So you know, just do as you please. Act on impulse. And I did both sides with the government. I was a prosecutor and I was a right. public defender. 
So, you know, and I feel for both sides because I, you know, I'm able to see both sides. And I was trained as a prosecutor in a wonderful office. And, you know, New York is one of the greatest um, cities in the country, in the world. And it's sad. I'm a native New Yorker and, you know, live in both New York and Florida. And it's just a horrible thing to see the deterioration of, you know, the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side and beautiful neighborhoods. Yes. Beautiful but neighborhoods that are just, you know, I grew up under Giuliani where the streets became, you know, they were cleaning up the streets. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the, the city was in good and shape. The city at that was time. very dangerous before that. The city was right. Very, right. Very yeah. Clean. Yeah. I mean, uh, certain districts became beautiful when he when he was in office. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. New York has so much potential. And, you know, I I mean, I do think that the new administration um, you know, Eric Adams is better than de Blasio was. And but it's a lot of work to undo. There's a lot of work to undo. Right. Is it true that during COVID, when uh, the hotels in New York City were empty, they were filled with people who were who were homeless from other areas? Yes. yes. And but why was- were they brought to New York? What was the benefit to New York to have them brought here? Well, the hotels were getting a benefit because they were getting paid funding. But there are hotels in other areas, too. Why? Why New York? You know, it really it, New York was the most expensive real estate market. And now it's coming up again. Mm-hmm. But it really it took a hit to a lot of people. And a lot of stores were empty and are yes. empty on, on Broadway and all over the city. And it's really it's really terrible. It's yeah. really terrible. And the DA's office, you know, I think that there needs to be pressure for them to make some changes. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, crim- you know, people that are accused and I fight for this every day, you know, have, you know, should be protected and there's constitutional rights. So there needs to be people, good people on both sides and having done right. both sides, I could see, but each side has to do their job to the front. Right, exactly. I mean, yes, the homeless, yes. you know, they need to be taken care of. For sure, they need to be taken care of. If yes. Their mental illness needs to be dealt with. Right. Um, and would-be victims need to be protected from becoming victims. Yes, and it's scary as a woman walking in the streets at night in the city. It's very, very scary. And, you know, it's, it wasn't like that a few years ago. Right. Even right. under Bloomberg, the city was doing well. Yeah. Sarah, please tell us about Legal Fashionista. There has been a big splash and much written about it. <laughs> Lots yes. of reviews. Oh, and yes. our audience would love to hear it from the Legal Fashionista herself. Yes. So I love fashion and I love law. And the two, you know, you're able to put them together. Well, you are an extremely fashionable oh, and beautiful thank you. woman. Thank you. My father says court is a show and you're the best show in town. <laughs> <laughs> You're going into fashion, um, Bela. I know you always look fabulous. So um, from one fashionista <laughs> to another. Um, but I think also it's very important, like with, I love modest fashion. Right. And I love the idea that, you know, you could be modest in a fashion. Our dear friend, Toby um, Rubenstein has, um, she just had a few weeks ago, a fashion show. Yes, I had her um, on the show. She was a guest on our show a little while back. Yes, yeah, so she embodies that idea. Like she um, loves like haute couture and fashion. And and it's very, it was very interesting. I speak to her a lot about these concepts. But um, fashion is something that is a lot of fun. And in the times of the Torah, women, the women in Mitzrayim, 
the generation would have ended it was those women that they got dressed up and they used um even though they were they were in slavery they um dressed up beautiful to make their husbands happy mm-hmm. and you know that's so important for the jewish woman to you know maintain her femininity and style in you know but in a tzniyas in a modest way Right, right. And you're setting a beautiful trend that it is possible. You know, it's interesting. The secular world may not realize that it is possible to be beautiful, beautifully dressed, fashionable and modest at the same time. Yes, it's true. It's true. And sometimes like when you look at Kate Middleton being sneers, being modest. Yes, yes, yes. And people do admire that. The media does admire that. Yes, she looks wonderful. She's gorgeous. Yeah, and yeah. She looks so classy. She looks like she'll fit in in any shtibel. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And that's right. Our shtibel, we want you to come. Right, right. Um, in terms of, uh, the, I, I know that, well, anytime someone does something good or in a leadership role, there's always going to be criticism. I yeah. mean, you can't be a leader and, yeah. and, and it's hard. be, be in, the, in, that, in that role without yeah. having people be jealous and say things. Yeah. And so, can you tell us a little bit about uh, legal fashionistas, ne- you know, oh. negative reviews? Yes. We're very unfair. Well, I was really yes. upset about it. Yes. Well, you know what? It was anytime you do like a daring thing uh-huh. to make a show or, put your, you know, to be out there. But I'm used to as a criminal attorney and I've had a lot of cases in the news. You get attacked all the time because, you know, people don't like who you're representing. So you have to develop a thick skin. But I'm very sensitive also and you know, sometimes when you read bad reviews, it's hurtful. But, you know, then at the end of the day, they took their time to to write reviews. But it was, you know, Legal Fashionista was something that I enjoyed doing, that I had enjoyed doing. It was a certain phase. Um, it was quite a few years ago. Um, but it's something that I think as a criminal defense attorney, you, in essence, are a performer and you enjoy acting so we're not acting but you know you're you're putting on a presentation and you know presentation with um you know presenting your clients in the best light possible and um you know legal fashionista was just something fun and when I did it it was just for fun I didn't really think about how an audience would react but you know I I enjoyed it and you're always going to have you know people that criticize and that's fine everyone has an opinion you know and some you know I just I'm also like very Jewish looking I'm not like the classic beauty so you know you're oh yes you are oh Oh, no you are you are very beautiful (laughs) no you are you're gorgeous but um you know so you know when you put yourself out there people are like you know they'll make fun of your no like you know as a Jewish woman so every time I've even been on the news sometimes you know, people and it can make you feel insecure. But at the end of the day, I'm proud of who I am. And I come from um, a family with uh, Holocaust um, backgrounds, very strong. My um, father was born in a DP camp and his parents and my mother's parents were um, sole survivors who lost their whole families. And at the end of the day in life, you need to be strong and keep your head up held high, whether people like it or not. You know, as long as you have Hashem on your side yes, and you do things in the Torah way or with good intention, maybe in legal fashionista, my knee could have been covered better. I was young then. Um, but, you know, you grow in life and and 
you know, I feel Hashem's love and Hashem loves each of us. And we just have to strive to do the best we can and to have faith in Hashem. And when you have faith in Hashem, when someone has um, faith in Hashem, kindness and mercy surrounds them. And I've seen a lot of miracles, uh, great miracles. And, you know, Hashem is great. And, you know, as long as we feel that we're spreading Hashem's, you know, word and Hashem's light in the right way, um, that's very important. You are an esteemed Rebetzin, in addition to everything else that you do. Um, is there any, is there ever any conflict of interest with regard to the work you do and your role in clergy? Well, you know, a lot of times people feel like they could confide in me because I have attorney client confidentiality and then the Reviton confidentiality, but also I never judge people because I represent people that are judged by society and thrown away by society. And I think it's so important that, you know, to be done with Kapschus to judge favorably and people could come to me with the most, they think is a shocking story. I was a criminal lawyer in South Beach, um, representing drug traffic, alleged drug traffickers, seen it, you know, everything. So nothing ever shocks me and people feel comfortable with that. And I also, you know, sometimes have to explain to people because they're like, um, how could, you know, someone be a criminal lawyer and represent guilty people? But at the end of the day, halacha is very pro-defense. To convict someone in a Jewish court was very difficult. The standard was even higher than in a secular court. You needed adim, witnesses, hasra'ah. You needed two witnesses that were shomer shabbos, shomer mitzvos, hasra'ah that need to be worn before. And even if you saw someone go into a building with a knife, come out with a bloody knife and there was a dead body in American law, that's enough to convict based on circumstantial evidence. In um, Torah court, and it says in Shimona Esrei, Hashivenu, Shoptenu, Kivarishona, the Jewish um, courts were probably more liberal than the courts that we have here. It says a cruel based in, a cruel Jewish court, um, killed or, you know, convicted once in 70 years, and then they had to be shut down. Right. So there is a thing about compassion. And I understand that, like, you know, maybe in New York, but sometimes there's too much compassion, you know, like there has to be a balance. And, but halacha, you know, only Hashem really knows whatever happened. And halacha, Jewish law was very strict about convicting someone. But wow. they would have to go, let's say if they killed someone accidentally to an R.A. Mikla, the city of right. refuge, so they were contained. Yes, you have to protect society. And so this is how you're able to, to 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 combine your work and also go from prosecutor to criminal defense. And you can't judge anyone until you come to someone's place. We're never in someone's place. We didn't have their childhood. We didn't have. So it's so important. And we don't know their circumstances. Everyone comes from different circumstances. And we should never judge people because then sometimes Hashem puts us in their situation. So we have to try the way we judge others is the way Hashem judges us. Right. Yeah. I've always been a fan of yours, but it just oh, keeps I'm a growing. Fan of yours, <laughs> so many years of work you do, you do so many mitzvot and so much that people know about, so much that people don't know about. Thank you. Tell us about your upbringing. How did you get to okay. be the great Sarah Vorhand? So, uh, Rebetzin, Sarah Shulovitz Vorhand. 
So I have wonderful parents. They live in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And I grew up in both worlds. I went to Beis Yaakov, Lower East Side with Rebetzin Khan, wonderful principal um, and a wonderful school. And at the same time, growing up in the Upper West Side, I saw everything. And, you know, I also, my parents gave a great love of Torah. We davened at the Kralbach Shul also, Rav Shlomo Kralbach. And, um, you know, I saw that. So I didn't grow up like in Brooklyn, in, um, you know, where everyone's the same. I grew up seeing like a lot of individualism and I grew up with some of the most interesting rabbis that are legends in different ways. No, and I know that, you know, everyone has different experiences, but I grew up in a very, in an environment where I was exposed to everything. And, um, also, um, my brothers went to the yeshiva of Moshe Feinstein. Mrs. Tzfaris Yerushalayim. So, you know, I was exposed to even like when the Rebetzin was sitting Shiva, we were in the house, Rebetzin Feinstein, and oh. taking care of her. So I was exposed to like literally the Gadole, you know, Agadoladar. And then, in you know, all kinds of things that someone that grows up in Williamsburg or Borough Park may not be necessarily exposed to, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a lot. So of, yeah. the, the answer really is, is that you weren't you I mean, you, you lived the life of Torah from the time you were you were born. Yes. But yet you didn't live in an insular type of community. So you were exposed to a lot of things. And so you were able to to choose on your own the, the correct path rather yes. than just follow the masses. Until today, I live in both worlds. Like I right. when I lived in Miami, in South Beach, able to be from. And that's like, you know, not not at all on that level, but let's say like Yossi Patsadik, he was, you know, he had to be in Gullus in exile, not in a religious place. And when you're really strong in your Torah, you're able to be among everyone and inspire because, you know, I've had to stand up to judges and people that right. wanted me to work or try cases on Yom Tov. And I had to like literally risk being held in contempt and, and the judges ended up apologizing and some of them were Jewish judges. Um, but, you know, when you're strong in your beliefs and and I think that knowing that my grandmother, she lost 13 brothers and sisters in the Holocaust and my grandfather lost nine brothers and sisters, it gives you a strength that, you know, Am Yisrael Chai and you're proud of who you are. When you're proud of who you are, you know, people respect you. Right, right. Wow. Sarah, what was the most interesting case or the case that has thus far been most profound for you? Because I know you've dealt with high profile cases. Can you share some of that? Uh, I, I know our audience would love to hear. Yes. I would, for sure, too. Yeah. So I've had I've tried federal cases, um, state cases. Um, I've had so many different experiences. Um, I've represented everyone from Hasidim to gangsters. But... Uh, the best was when I had a Hasidish client that he wouldn't keep quiet and he kept incriminating himself. I'm like, Zuck to Hillam. And I gave him a Hillam book. <laughs> so I'm like, my, yeah, <laughs> my client's a pious man, you know? So anyway, but um, I've had so many interesting situations. I've represented. Uh, one of the funniest was when there was no Hebrew interpreter, when I was a prosecutor in the courtroom and the person would have to be detained longer. So I, they had me recuse and be the, um, translator for um for this Israeli defendant and 
it was so funny because I was using biblical Torah Hebrew words. So I was calling jail the, I was seeing my Yosef story, but I said the boar, the pit, and the guy was like so scared. And I was like, you know, using biblical Hebrew terms. And then he was asking if it's Ibn Hashim um, with snakes, but I thought he meant with handcuffs. And I'm like, Cain, and the guy was like so scared. So I realized that biblical Torah Hebrew and modern Hebrew aren't exactly the same, but that was very funny. But um, how did the translator, how did the translator handle that? Oh, no, no. I ended up, I had to recuse myself to be the translator. So the guy got so scared from my translation. He um, he thought he's going to a pit with snakes instead of jail with handcuffs. But anyway, his case ended up getting, um, he got um, a bond and he got a diversion and he ended up. And then sometimes you don't realize how you affect people because I'll have people come over to me. And they're like, you saved my life um, so many times that they got even one of my um, African-American clients the they called me up the mother called me up because when i represented him he was a juvenile you know delinquent with a violent history and he became a city commissioner so you know i've had so many different um cases where i didn't realize it but i was able to change her life and that's one of the greatest things because when you save one person it's like you save an entire world and you never realize you know the impact that you can have a great impact wow wow so this was when you were in in Florida. In Florida, yes. What about in New York? Any anything oh, you could so share with York, us about New York? That was that was when you were a criminal. Uh, that was when you were a prosecutor. But yes, in New York. Share with us something as a criminal so, oh, defense yeah. attorney. So um, yes. Yeah, so in New York, I have a law partner also, Mindy, and um, we've been featured in the Daily Mail, New York Post, Daily News as the Barbie lawyers. We also got some um, um, praise, but some criticism. And I think like, you know, anytime you're going to, um, you know, live your life or do anything outside of the box, you're going to get criticized. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, at the end of the day, you, um, you know, in life, you um, sometimes regret what you don't do that you, you know, have to yes. be daring to yes. forge ahead and be different and you get slack for it. And then some people love it. So, you know, my father always says, you can never please everyone that Mordechai, who saved the entire Jewish nation, basically, he, you would think everyone loved him, but he was beloved by most of the people, not all, no one could be liked by everyone. So you're always going to have haters or criticize. Oh, sure. Oh, for sure. You yes. cannot be a leader yes. without a hater. No, and if everybody I mean, loves you, hard. then you're doing something wrong, you know? And it's hard because sometimes like people attack you out of nowhere. Sure. Of course. It's so stressful and, you know, it's very, very hard, but you have to realize that, you know, Hashem is always with you. Hashem is always with you and you can't be afraid. And even if things look scary or bleak it's all just a mirage only Hashem matters so I I very much agree with what you said that um in terms of having regret for about the things that you haven't done so I'm I'm a very strong believer in that I would rather do what I wanted what I need to do what I feel I need to do than not do it that my not doing it would be my greatest regret is there anything that um you would like to share with our audience that's you wish you would have done, but you haven't? I think I've done every, like when I was offered the TV show, I took it. And then like, you know, 
you know, sometimes it doesn't represent you the right way, but everything is a part of you and, and everything, you know, in life, I think that you regret things that you didn't do. And, and, you know, as long as you're doing everything, you know, and also to grow, you know, every day we're supposed to all be Bali Chuva and aspire to be better. But, you know, I think that I've, I feel like, you know, I always wanted to be an attorney since I was a young girl and I did that. Why? What made you want to be an attorney? That was, I was actually going to, that was going to be my, my follow-up question. Yes. So honestly, when I was like six years old, I remember sitting in shul and hearing about Yosef Atzadik and how he was falsely accused. And I was like, I would get like so upset by the story. And like, I was thinking like Yosef needed a good attorney, but like, you know, it was been a Shemayim, everything. And at the end, he didn't, you know, he was so um, thankful to Hashem. He never blamed his brothers and he forgave them. And he said it was a will of Hashem. But also um, in terms of, of um, wait, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, I was I was asking you, uh, you know, as a follow, my follow up question was um, at, right after what what do you regret or what, you know, what, oh, what no do you regret regrets, not yes. doing no um, and, and following, following next, that, right, yes, that pattern. Track, but um, I wanted to be a prosecutor because I wanted to be an attorney. Why did you want to be a lawyer? The TV that, show that, Ali, that was the follow up. The TV show Ali McBeal. And then I wanted to be a DA because of law and order. And then, um, you know, and then my greatest thing was I got, um, I'm so happy I got licensed in the United States Supreme Court. I think I'm the first Hasidic Rebbitzin to be licensed in the U.S. Supreme Court, but I could be wrong. Um, and um, so I've done everything and I really wanted to do. And my mother says that I wanted to be a Rebbitzin since I was three years old. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. I guess I got sidetracked. But, um, you know, I think that I've accomplished everything that I've wanted to do. And then the great thing was Hashem Prakadis Sarah that at an advanced age that, you know, Baruch Hashem, I had a baby and that was a great nace. And so I think that I've accomplished everything. Now I just, wow. you know, like to try to help people and, um, and try to bring people close to Torah and Hashem. In the modern world, it's very hard. I give a shear on Chovas Halavavos, Shara Bitachon, um, on um, having a Muna in challenging world. And everyone needs Chizuk. And the important thing is, is that we have to always keep exercising our Amuna and, you know, practicing having a Muna in difficult situations. And we don't want Hashem to challenge us. And, you know, but life has challenges and we have to, well, you know, keep trudging forward and doing litigation. There's always stress. It's a very stressful job. It's like 24 hour stress. Besides, if not for Shabbos, I would probably have a breakdown. But um, criminal defense is very Thank God stressful. for that uh, seventh day yeah. where you unplug. Yes. And in Florida, you know, cases, there's even a death penalty. So it's like really, really hard work. And, you know, I'm licensed also in Michigan. So it's like I'm licensed in a few different states and juggling and it's multitasking right well, well you and juggle very well and you and you have definitely fulfilled your dreams of being a rebbitzin yeah. as well as an as, as well as an attorney Hashem I know... Hashem gives us yes strength. <laughs> gives you the strength yes so i know that there are tons of young ladies who wish to be who you are 
because you are you are a role model for so many thank you what message would you give young women today it's so hard and I remember being a young woman like you know 20 years ago at 20 something years ago and it was hard then and now the world there was no Instagram then there was no Facebook then the world we live in is so overwhelming and so it's just like so um there's so many challenges and obstacles and pressure like when I was growing up and when Bela, even like when you were growing up I don't know if there was so much there was pressure yes to be a woman and like look attractive and this and that now with Instagram no, there's definitely a lot more un- pressure today there, of and course. there's unreal standards yeah. and all of our yeah, lives yeah. are so, somewhat public and it's a lot of pressure but what I would say is don't believe anyone that says that you can't do it because you could do it all. I had people tell me that I wasn't smart enough to be a lawyer. Oh my God. I had people tell me. A lot me of jealous people not, out there. Yeah. A lot of vicious people. I told oh, I, yeah. they tell me I'm not going to get married. It's only in the hands of Hashem, no person. And sometimes my father says when these types of bad people curse you, it becomes a bracha. So, you know, the more people That's something say good no, to remember. My father says the best revenge is success. Absolutely. So tell all the young girls don't listen to any anyone that's negative. Cut them out. Only positive. And you know, and Hashem is our Hashem is our best friend. Speak to Hashem. Have you know? We us. Like one thing also when I was growing up, you know, we learned a lot of things about pet to learn by heart. Right. We didn't really learn like about the concepts of like you know, exposes us that we can have access to like to the king of kings, to the Melch Malachim at all times. And uh, Hashem could do anything. Yeshua Hashem Karifai and Hashem could change around the life in a blink of an eye. Amen. And I've wow. seen that in my own life. You are a true woman of God. Thank you. And thank you. A true you Evet Hashem. Ela, thank you. And of people, what you do for people and what you do for the society at large in every aspect. May God bless you with continued strength. Amen. And may 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 he answer all your prayers and give you everything that you want and everything that you need. Thank you so much, Bela. You're amazing. And thank I shall bless you. You're amazing. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Bela, for having me on. And I'm a huge fan of your show. I can't believe I'm on. I watch your oh, show. Oh, please. I, I, I'm a, been a fan of yours for many years. Thank you, Bela. And it's so wonderful that we get to see each other, someone who's in person. And it really, you're someone that's so special and such like um, Aisha's Chaya. Thank you. Thank you. That's the word, Aisha's You Chaya. are. Thank you to thank our you. audience for tuning in and to the news. Thank you, Bela. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.